Welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. This episode of the Aquarius Podcast is sponsored by Awaza, the global leader in water gardening technology. Awaza is a relatively new entrant into the indoor aquatic space, and they're doing all us hobbies a favor by stepping into an already competitive market and raising the bar with excellent products that have innovative features. One of the coolest features to the Awaza line of power filters is seamless built-in heater integration. So if you've been looking for a way to step up your aquarium filtration and hide your heater without going the sump route, then I highly recommend you check out Awaza's Biomaster canister filters and BioPlus internal filters. That's Biomaster canister filters and BioPlus internal filters. Learn more by checking out awaza-livingwater.com. That's O-A-S-E-livingwater.com. I will also have this link in the show notes for quick access. Now, on to the interview. We are we are recording. Let's see, I think I think that'll be all right. Welcome to episode 50 of the Aquarius podcast. Although I think I say welcome in the very beginning and this technically won't be the beginning, but that's fine though. So this is a um, live, not really live, but an in-person episode definitely different than anyone that I've ever done because this is actually going to be in a vehicle. So we are driving right now. And by we, I mean myself and Corey McElroy. So Corey, you are now the second person in Aquarius podcast history to actually be on the show twice. So the first being Joe Ferdenzi, and now you have that distinction of being number two. If you ain't first, you're last, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I wasn't the first, so it means I'm the last. Yeah, so it is a absolutely gorgeous day in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's you know Saturday, the sixteenth of March. Uh, Corey and I were driving to go do some some nerdy stuff, non fish related, but on the drive we are going to make it fish related. And on this special episode, and actually I am literally sitting here shotgun with a freaking like full size microphone with the little what do you, what would you call this thing the little um, the foam heady guy right it's a dead cat the, the dead cat yeah okay so I'm sitting here with a dead cat as we're driving in Corey's car uh, we haven't got on the freeway yet but this is I, I would have to assume that I'm probably gonna draw some some stairs I'm only gonna have people travel with me as a microphone <laughs> like I'm being interviewed when I drive so you elevate me so anywhere you, I go you've got the lapel mic on so that like that's fine for you but I'm, I'm literally holding this microphone in my hand I need to invest in a lapel mic for myself all right so on this episode uh, we're gonna do something you know something I thought of uh, a few weeks ago and I've always wanted to do, and I think Corey is just a convenient yet fantastic person to go through this exercise with. And, and what we're going to do on this drive is I'm actually going to go through a very popular publication, a Tropical Fish magazine, and I'm going to hit, uh, you know, maybe not each, maybe not each advertisement, but I'm going to go through some of the major advertisements in this magazine, and I'm going to get Corey's opinion, his own personal opinion as a hobbyist, a longtime hobbyist, um, fairly long time, I would say not like, you know, decades and decades, but you've been in it and in a very, um, you know, intense from a research standpoint. If it's number of hours worked, it's forever. <laughs> yeah, then forever, yes, the the infinity. Um, and then also having that, uh, you know, running a store, um, you know, managing a store and then opening up and running your own store. So you have a lot of experience with product, with food, with all of the things that we see that we're bombarded with. And when I say bombarded, I love um, like actual print, uh, press magazines. Like I absolutely love it when I dive into a new hobby. Um, you know, because I, I don't know, like for me, I'm kind of old school and I like seeing the magazines and I like seeing the advertisements, but you don't always know what that product is, is right? Sure. There's marketing, um, but marketing always has the angle of, you know, maybe selling you something and kind of educating you, but you don't really get the full spiel, right? Like not like we know that sometimes companies push the boundaries a little bit in their marketing. So pseudoscience, pseudoscience. There you go. I think you, didn't you drop that a couple days ago? Probably. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go through this. I'm going to read descriptions. We're not, you know, this isn't to put any company on blast or any product on blast necessarily. Uh, we're not going to call out names names of, uh, like I said, of the company or the product. Uh, but y you know, if you follow along with this particular edition, I'm not saying what it is, you could probably, you know, start to pick up on which magazine and which ads we're actually talking about. But nonetheless, I think it's going to be really informative. Um, and maybe it saves you some money or maybe it pushes you over and you're like, you know what? I think that that, that actually does sound like a pretty good product. I'm going to go ahead and purchase it and try it out myself. So this is a fantastic magazine and it's a shame right now that it's only being produced actually both both of the major publications are only coming out once every two months, which is... I had a subscription for years and I never found time to read it. 
in my mind, I was always going to read it on the plane and I would carry them to and from where I needed to go. And I had so much work to get done while I was on a plane, I never got to read them. So I just gave them all to employees. So I don't have time for print. You haven't given me one yet. But I do have I got rid of my subscription. But I do have my own subscription, yeah. though, so that's all right. All right, so let's go ahead and open up page one. And the other side note, folks, is that Randy does get mildly carsick when he does read. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to read as little as possible. Um, and the very first thing when we open up, we see... Uh, so it's a food advertisement, 100% natural, fresh ingredients. I see corn, I see garlic, I see some shrimp, um, and prebiotics and probiotics and no chemical additives. And before I let Corey jump in, episode 49, Dr. Ashley Emanuel, um, she was very suspect on pre and probiotics. Um, her, her thoughts were, we just don't know enough yet about the gut biome. So to put these, you know, pre and probiotics into fish food, um, you know, she wasn't necessarily for it. So Corey, what is your opinion on that? Well, so the marketing trend that I hate is advertising that things are natural and we're not using chemicals and all that kind of stuff because I don't believe that inherently they're bad other than fear-mongering. So there's that. And then the prebiotics and probiotics, one, I found fish to not really like the taste of it. It changes the taste of the food, which is half defeating the purpose. If you're really trying to get like something digested. If I make you dinner and I make it taste horrible, you're likely to not like it, not eat as much, that type of thing. And we're trying to get nutrients to these fish. So I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not saying it doesn't do anything, but for many, many years, we've claimed to be putting things into fish food and it's all been the best. Like, um, what is it, long time ago, you had Danichi and Hikari putting clays in their food. And the clay, what was it, Molimer claim? Clay would help uh, digestion and that type of thing. And then like when you're using a prebiotic or at least live bacteria in the food to help digest it, you know, it's supposed to be less waste in your aquarium. And you know, my, my takeaway is great, but do the fish like to eat it? And are they gonna be healthy? And is it affordable? Because I find a lot of foods that make all these crazy claims and they spend so much on advertising to put themselves in a magazine, you're buying their advertising and not the quality of food. And we all know, well, I shouldn't say we all know, uh, but at least it's highly researched that corn is a filler in fish food, which we need a binder for most fish foods. If you don't, it's just loose and it's gonna you know, fall apart. So we don't want that in our water, but something like corn uh, is a decent binder, but they're like making it you like in this ad I feel like and I can't see the ad but the way it was described I feel like oh it's a natural ingredient corn like well yeah but so is like you know rust and we're not feeding that to our fish either right so just because something's natural doesn't mean it's safe and good and I feel like that is a very big thing in the pet industry whether it's dogs and cats whether it's medicines for fish like that's all the rage right like we'll do we'll cure it herbally and that'll be better somehow so I'm, I'm kind of against that. That being said, you know, most fish foods to me are pretty equal, so. Yeah, no, good stuff. All right, so next we're gonna jump from food and we're gonna do um, some substrate-y, so you're gonna have to come in and walk me through this here. Okay. Activated carbon plus nano. Oh, no, no, so yeah, so this, the packaging is a little <laughs> tough for me to read. Other than it having beautiful aquascaping on it, premium activated carbon plus high-grade ion exchange resins. Okay. Holy, holy aquarist, what in the world? So probably um, with... Superior filtration for fresh and planted aquariums, all-in-one filter media, and pre-measured packets. What in the world is that? And is that going to give me, apparently, this beautiful, amazing aquascape? So... It itself probably is not going to do that. I, I glanced over and saw the product, so now I know what we're talking about. Because I thought it was a substrate, and it's, I believe it to be um, more like a uh, can or like a filter additive. And so something is basically describing it's going to absorb things, and it's got a high probably cation factor, which means it's got negatively charged ions to pull stuff in. And I know this product and they claim that it doesn't pull in fertilizer and stuff, so in theory it would be beneficial to your planet tank. However, I'm not sure we need this. So I'm always skeptical with add this thing to pull the bad stuff out of water for your planted tank when that literally is what plants do. That's why nature designed plants to pull stuff out of air and water and purify. And so again, just 
I think it's more of um, predatory marketing of if you had a planet tank that wasn't doing well this product takes out bad things and we naturally associate not doing well with bad things and so you know you can actually find that a product like this would if you had some deficiencies going and it was able to take some more out it would actually make it worse and what I don't like about products when you have something that without quantifying what it's doing you can make things better or worse so in a different parallel like um, like pH right right so it's like it'll make your pH 7.0 how can you possibly have a product that will make it 7.0 not knowing if you're starting from 6.0 or 8.0 right like you either have to buffer it up or buffer it down and kind of same thing with this product how can we necessarily be adding or removing what is needed without knowing where we're starting and I feel like when it comes to planet tanks, manufacturers are very uh, close-minded and purely if something will inhibit algae, the result is therefore it's good for plants. And so I think that's what has been done a lot in the last few years and it's continually being done because that is the biggest obstacle that a planet tank faces is algae. And you know, a lot of marketing is done that as long as people get good results the people that don't get good results they just kind of fade away because those people will say like oh it didn't work for me and the people that it fixed their algae problem in their uh, aquarium and made them a master they'll praise it forever so we've got this weird thing going on in the hobby where we can get disproportionate praise and not enough uh, critical thinking on aquarium products and it's again prevalent in herbal remedies and stuff too where someone will swear it worked it saved their favorite oscar and they'll say that for the next 20 years and the people that it didn't work for they kind of say it once and move on yeah i will say for this product in this advertisement in particular it, it's very eye-catching um you know it's, it's prominent it's on page one right like after you get past the main the main page um you know this is full color ad full page ad um but it, it it catches my eye, but I'm still confused. Like, obviously, you guys heard me as I read this description in the in the the advertisement to Corey. Um, I had I struggled with actually understanding what it is. Um, you know, I I'm I'm going to assume that it's probably an expensive product. Um, you know, it says it contains five nano packets. I don't know how long that's going to last, even if I were to use this product. So I feel like if I were this company, I would even go back and try to make it maybe a little bit more. Um, a better explanation right for for somebody if you're going to advertise in a magazine for hobbyists and this is like this is obviously not like an ada you know high-end aquascaping magazine we, nope. we don't have people that are in aquascaping collectives or anything like that you know you might want to work on somebody that is unfamiliar with your product i um, will say i have tested this product by the way it was given to me free and the other product that we've already talked about i've tested that as well but those were you know my findings there is independent of marketing marketing and what a product does are very different things mm -hmm. yeah well clearly we don't sell this product at the coop so yeah that must, that must mean something all right let's see here let's move on to we got some more food fresh from alaska so i feel like that's going to be this particular um marketing you know grabber right made in the usa fresh from alaska um I guess instantly you're like, yeah, man, like I love it with my salmon, with my king crab. Like that's, you know, that's where that comes from. You know, expensive cold water, foods. expensive foods, quality. I mean, my assumption then is going to be this is probably like the absolute leavings of the fish processing boats as they're, you know, processing that catch. Um, sustainability for me comes to mind. I mean, what what, what do you think? You so I, I know that product and their main market is that it's whole salmon, which makes you believe it's not just the leavings it is whole salmon it's got to be dog salmon then chum well yeah so the problem is they don't quantify like so in marketing when you say like whole salmon we jump to go well it's not as bad as i thought therefore it's good and the reality is when you have a boat that goes out to sea and if they get lagged behind on the way back you can actually get let's say a bunch of salmon or crab that is no longer for human consumption because once some starts dying and ammonia enters the water, there's a mass die-off, but that could be used in other industries. And so, I'm not saying that's what this company does, but... What, what piece of research, like, I believe you, but how did you come across that? So, working at Conway Tropical Fish, we had a lot of people that would uh, go out and do boating and stuff in Alaska, right? And so they would come in and they would buy the most bio balls you've ever seen in your life. Like, and price was no issue. And so, 
because they'd come in and they'd buy all we had. And we'd be like, so maybe we had enough to fill like maybe a 55 gallon tank worth. And they'd be like, no, I need like several U-Hauls full because if I can stay out to out to sea two days longer, that's another $800,000 in fish to bring back. And so we worked with them and the whole thing was once, so you keep them cold and all that kind of stuff, but once you get a few deaths, uh, the ammonia starts running and it starts a mass die off chain. And there's like levels of ammonia, and I don't know them, that are acceptable in the water, but once it gets past a level, it's no longer available to be turned in at like a human consumption rate. And so they would, they're willing to spend tons of money on filtration to make sure these things would live while they're at sea. And if there was bad weather and they couldn't time it to get back correctly, that would, you know, you could catch millions of dollars in crab and then get caught up in a storm and get back and it's nearly worthless. Mm -hmm. And so, but I don't know that that's necessarily going on with this food. And, you know, part of it is with salmon, one of the reasons we don't feed salmon directly to our fish is because it's too fatty of a food. And so you'll get fatty livers and that type of thing. In moderation, it's fine. Um, but I'm not convinced. I've, you know, I've fed this food and I've tried it many times and I could never get mass adoption from all my fish to eat it at any store I worked at or the store I own or my home fish room. And there have been fish that really love it, and there's a bunch of fish that didn't like it, and it's definitely more expensive than other foods. So for me, it's it's never been a winner, and I've never really carried it. I had to carry it at a store I worked at, but I never carried it at my own store because I could never get the results from the cost. And you know that like this food I was looking at, they make it in a flake food and a pellet and all these types of things, and I just uh, you know at a certain point when you're making a, a dry food you reach a limit in price where you're, you can just buy frozen or live foods. And I just feel like that's strictly better. So that's where my logic goes. And so, you know, fish won't eat it and it's expensive and you know, it's claiming some good things, which I'm not saying it doesn't claim good things, but if my fish don't eat it, it doesn't do me any good. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's gonna be like the ultimate, uh, you know, success factor right there. <laughs> and I will, I will point out one thing in marketing uh, typically the stuff you see in magazines, the only time it really makes sense to really be advertising is when a product is new or if a product is bad and not selling. Like, especially in a hobby like ours, word of mouth is king. That's where things sell. And so when you get a food that's selling really well, it naturally just sells more of itself. If it's not selling well, you have to like find a new wave of customers you know, and maybe you did a radical change and maybe this food is now palatable by the fish. That would be worth marketing, getting people back on the train. But once it's being consumed, it will continue to be consumed. If it's not being consumed, it'll continue to keep dwindling. Mm, gotcha. All right, so let's move off of food and let's go to LED light. I actually just plugged my headset in a little firmer and now I can hear on both sides. All right. Very nice. All right, the ultimate LED light and sound experience. Mm. You don't even need to look over and see which ad this is. Yes. <laughs> what are you, and I think we've talked a little bit about this before just in private, but the sound experience in an LED light. So I think, you know, you're more critical than I am. I think there are some applications for it. Not that I would need it, but for instance, in a previous career where I was a, <clears throat> I was a maintenance person, uh, preschools, and other schools and things like that. If you had like a, a recess time, a reading time, that kind of stuff, you kick on the light and you kick on the, the ambient effects there and it's supposed to have different calming effects and that kind of stuff and I could maybe believe that. That being said, for a mass marketing, um, I feel like whatever money was spent on the sound portion should have been sent or spent towards the light portion and uh, I'm not sure this is an innovation we needed. Like that's one of those things of like, I still feel like we can work on making lights waterproof, make them cheaper, make them a little bit stronger for the price point and all that. When we start adding these other things, they're kind of gimmicky and... Um, yeah, I, I think this is a complete miss in my opinion. I think this is something that um, somebody that's not a, a hobbyist, you know, thought up of in a new product session and said, this is, we need to go into this space because nobody's done it before. Maybe somebody mm -hmm. has done it before, but they just said, we need to do this. 
and I, I think it's just completely uh, a swing and a miss. Like, and I think this, you know, the subsection of LED light use case where it's like, oh, you know, that kind of makes sense. A preschool, maybe it's a little bit more soothing at nap time, something of that effect. But I, I just think that that's an absolute sliver. The problem is your iPhone does that too. Like, there let me go. just hit the, oh yeah, beach sounds. You know, it doesn't add a layer of of actual usability. I don't think. All right, let's uh, let's turn the page here. Okay, so we do have. I don't know. I don't know how we can how we can address this one. There's nothing really experienced in next generation in LED technology. So again, another another light offering uh, from a company, um, and they do show that their light is operated by an app. So mm-hmm. I, the marketing yeah. there that I see is just. You know, I think it's a, a bad marketing ploy when you show marine lights and freshwater lights and you're trying to do all the things. It's hard to pull everyone in. And I don't think the next generation, like, as a marketing person myself, I do a lot of marketing, I think that's the wrong message because you lead me to believe that, yes, this is the next generation and we're going to bring out a next generation. Like, you should market as, like, this is the one. You won't need to buy more after this. You know, and so I think their mar- their message is wrong. I've used that light; it's it's decent for sure. And uh, you know, I just I think they could have marketed it better. And they're focusing on the light. Maybe you focus on the app. Maybe you focus on you know some of the other things. I think lighting technology is relatively equal. Focus on is it waterproof or not. Focus on how hot does it get. No one's talking about how hot these lights get. The LEDs are getting very hot. Uh, focus on usability studies and longevity. Have you guys actually tested it for two years or is this just a version that just came out and you don't know if all the parts you put together actually break down in six months? Like I would be quoting how many were sold, how many are still in service, what was our breakage rate, all these types of things to build confidence in the consumer. Yeah, I would I would really want to hone on the the piece where it's it's marine it's their lesser expensive light and then it's going to be the the freshwater version and i really want to see more segregation of marine and freshwater in the hobby you may not disagree with me but but i just because we're keeping things in glass boxes I don't think that means that we always need to have fresh and salt water together, which is why I'm fairly critical of one of the other publications that actually, and I almost didn't renew my subscription to it, but I did just because it's it's a tropical fish magazine and I'm a nerd, uh, but it's it's half freshwater, maybe like, I don't know, maybe like 60-40 freshwater marine, mm-hmm. but those marine pages are dead to me. I wish they would market it as lighting spectrums. So, like as a freshwater only store, we do sell marine lights from time to time, but we sell them to people that own African cichlid tanks because they bring out the colors in the African cichlids. That same 21,000 uh, Kelvin spectrum brings out blues and neon tetras and in most African cichlids and things like that. It also does it for corals, but I think you're shooting yourself in the foot and you could be the first in the industry to start talking about these different spectrums at a meaningful level at the person walking into a PetSmart. Like not on the forums, not in critical videos and things like that, understanding mm-hmm. wavelengths, spectrums, par, but to get down to the level of like, this light helps blue things look good. Like that used to be back when we had T8s, actinic lighting was way more used when you could sell someone an actinic bulb for their double T8 fixture and then they had a plant growing bulb and they got the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think that, I just don't think that you can keep lumping fresh and salt water together. You know, I, I get your point of bringing out blues with the marine light, maybe working that angle a little bit. But to me, this feels like, guess what? We can kill three birds with one stone and run this in every single, you know, aquarium esque magazine. Yeah. And we only have to produce one ad. It's true. And that marine light, by the way, I have tested it. It will grow plants just fine. It's just really heavy on the blue spectrum. And knowing that you can control the colors on that light, you could turn the blue down to not grow algae and things like that. Like I think, I think they need to focus more on let's make one light that can do all of these things, and then the app controls or the settings control what it's going to do. Because like on my lights at home, I run in my fish room. I turn blue 100% off during the day while I'm looking at it, and. Like, if I just left that cranked up and turned some other ones down, then it could basically be a marine light. And I think they could just, that just saves narrow them, the skews. That just seems, yeah, that saves them so much money on the supply chain side of things. Yeah. If you could get rid of, like, a 25% of your skews and still hit the same exact amount of, of, of market, 
Like, why would you not want to do that? So, yep. nonetheless, maybe they think there's value in it. All right, let's move on. Uh, dun, dun, dun. So here's one. Here is, so we're going to advertise. It's, it's another food. Um, it's kind of a, a specialty food. It's, you know, not like your standard flake. Um, they're, they're showing six different SKUs or six different products in their lineup. But then this is, you know, they have much more than just these six. Three of them are actually aquatic on the top. And then three below are going to be reptile. Mm-hmm. And this, again, feels like we're killing two, three birds with one stone. Let's make one advertisement that's going to hit multiple um, customer touch points, even though, you know, half of this half of this is dead to me. Well, I think the marketing message here is wrong because I'm, I'm a guy that studies a lot of marketing. And so I know that if you own fish, there's a chance you own some reptiles. But if you own reptiles, the chance you own fish is actually very high. So by the time you own a fish, by the way, you have an 82% chance to own a dog or a cat. That's just normal, what they've been able to study. And so I feel like putting the reptile version in a fish magazine is not good advertising dollars, where putting in some of the fish in a reptile magazine makes some sense because you know it goes backwards the other way better. Um, that being said, these foods, they're, uh, the one thing I don't like about this company is the way they, they name them and the way they make foods. Uh, for reptiles and fish and almost change no ingredients just the package you know so again that's almost like why you know you guys want the lights to be that way but why not the food well why can't we just have a food that's basically the same thing and it works for neon tetras and skinks you know or whatever it's going to be like just make the package let it be one thing and explain why Um, but you know when you start using the same main ingredients of like this reptile eats flies and then like all the rage in the market right now is black soldier fly larva for fish like if that's the main ingredient throw in a few more things we're basically looking at the same food here and uh i think we should just streamline stuff and make it easy and fix the marketing there i mean that that company in my opinion has always had a little bit of weird marketing but you know they're they're around so hey all they show is just the the product um photo label basically a, a bit of a text description but they're not really showing how unique this product is like you know obviously you're not going to pop a gif in here and you know it's not the same as, as a video but i feel like there needs to be some additional visuals that let some a, a new customer know what exactly this product is why it's different and why it's cool as opposed to just you know here here's what the what the what the bottle's going to look like and here's some words right that's that's called marketing yeah (laughs) you know like that's where i make my money is i show people like the biggest thing i do to sell products is yes everyone known has known this product existed for a long time i just used it and showed it on video and then people go hey i do things that look like that that might work for me yeah and and that's what they need to be doing i I learned that product from you i I heard you and uh you and jimmy you would reference the name of this product i'm like what the heck is that i don't i don't remember ever hearing about that and so sure enough i watched the video i did some research and i'm like well i guess I guess I need to try this product out, and sure enough, it's it's a staple in my fish room, and it's something that, you know, I I absolutely love for plecos for my my uh, bristle nose that are absolutely popping off in two different tanks with babies. This is absolutely something that I love to feed them. So yeah. it's it's a great it's a great food. All right, let's flip through some pages here. Ooh, what the heck is this thing? Okay. Nano filter, oh, okay, well, never mind. It looks strange. Looks very high tech. Nano filter and surface cleaner in one unit. Impressively minimalistic. How do we feel about this? So, the brand name is already lets me know it's going to be expensive because <laughs> they always make expensive products. So I have to mention this product. If if I can mention the product, I'll name, mention it because I think that's the only way I can explain this product. Am I allowed to say it? No, I'll go for it. All right. So it's Tunzi. Tunzi is known to have very high-end power heads and everything, and they're marketing this nano filter and. I consider this a total me too product because they're marketing it towards like bettas and that kind of stuff. Like it would work on a nano tank, but inherently I think it's going to be expensive because Tunzi has always been expensive. And then two, they are really good at making power heads. So it's not a stretch to be that they couldn't make a filter, but most people, if you're not used to making filters and you don't really design one well, you just make one that works but is a pain in the butt all the time. Like, oh, that thing kind of breaks. Oh, that's like a tight fit. Once you get a little, you know, grunge in there, it's not as good. Like, 
you know, maybe they have the impeller housing sitting at the bottom, so it's going to have stuff down there when they could have put it on the side. Well, I, I'm confused because their logo behind it, it looks like it's either I'm looking inside of like a turbine or or it's like a coral. Mm-hmm. They, they, it's not freshwater, yeah? I mean, what, what am I looking at here? So, yeah, that would be a coral. Okay. Looks like a, looks like a, I call them little Christmas trees, the feather dusters. Yeah, so, so like. again, kind of missing the mark. Like, this is a, a per, this is a freshwater magazine. This yeah. isn't the split. And you're using that marine, you know, we're, we're again using marine, marine life uh, in a freshwater magazine. So, I, I feel like you could use a little bit more effort and change that out. And it's got the little, so, like, my kiss of death in marketing is the minute you use the word nano, and then you make a product that's not shrimp safe, you've already shot yourself in the foot. And the way that filter's designed with like the intake, it's got these slits that shrimp are just gonna get in there. And that's what the problem I have with these all-in-one tanks like uh, Fluval Flexes and just any of these Fluval Nano tanks, any, any Nano tank that runs the in-tank sump, it's just a nightmare for shrimp. And it's too, it's, if you're not considering shrimp when you're in the Nano market, you're not doing your job. And then this thing, what is it? It, It's magnet attached, so it's got a magnet on the so unit they, itself? So they are known for having very good, strong uh, okay. neo-earth magnets, which that's part of their cost. So Robert, my store manager, was asking me the other day, like, why aren't more things with these strong magnets? And I'm like, well, they're rare earth magnets, and they're just straight up expensive. So you take a product that's good, and then you put let's say three little magnets on it, and pretty soon it's like a third more expensive, and all you did was add magnets instead of suction cups, and in America, we want cheaper. That is a true statement. All right, let's see here. Ooh. So, the one thing I do like about this magazine is that they do a great job of, um, at least, and, and sometimes some, some advertisers will play along with this, where they say, hey, this is the theme of our magazine, and then some advertisers, some companies will change their ads they will mm -hmm. modify them to an extent to line up with the theme of the magazine, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so this particular product, uh, well, I mean, I guess I have to kind of say what it is. It's basically wild almond leaf extract. So it looks like it's in the same exact kind of canister. We're at our destination, but I think we can well, keep going. All right. Well, so we're on 31 minutes. That's that's not terrible. Whoa. We got the <laughs> tunes. All right. Um, it looks like the uh, stable. So the stable. Um, fuel additive right yeah so any like these automotive products i think it's almost the exact same container it's old school well it could be the same container it's old school uh fertilizer dosing we had to mix our own fertilizers let's say 10 12 years ago when ei estimative index dosing was much more popular mm -hmm. you would kind of add your dry fur shake up the water and then on one hand you could just like pour it out on the other hand you poured it into the little reservoir and it would tell you okay this is eight millim milliliters and then you'd pour that into the tank and it's got the the tannin extract in there but right so so to read this it's wild almond leaf extract that helps create a natural environment for better fish contains yucca extract to help reduce ammonia and calcium to help develop strong healthy fish where for me it's why not just go the cheaper route i'm assuming what would be a cheaper route than this product uh, and just have the catapa leaves and keep a consistent number of catapa leaves going into your betta tank yeah, I mean, <clears throat> some people also make betta tea with the almond leaves and stuff, but I'm not convinced that bettas even want that. Like, the bettas that we keep in our aquariums are so far removed from the wild this day and age that they haven't seen tannin water in 40 generations at this point, unless you're keeping wilds. And so, you know, there is the antibacterial properties and that kind of stuff, but a lot of other stuff will do that too. And I feel like this is a grab of like, because they do this in the wild, it's better. It's like, well, yes, but a husky living in Alaska, let's say, where it's freezing cold, that's not better for the dog. It just can handle it. You know, kind of same thing. Like, it'd rather just be in my house. And I feel like the same thing with this is it would rather just be in a clean aquarium, being fed, ample decor. Like, the biggest thing that makes a difference for this fish is not the brown water. It's how strong you have the light. They just want less lighting is what they really want so they can be the ambush predator. And by putting in those tannins, the byproduct is lesser light and you get a more active beta. You know, there's a few other things and some people claim that it'll help not fungusing up eggs and that kind of stuff. But the average person probably is not breeding most bettas. So I think maybe we'll do two products and there's there's a third that I for sure want to get to. Okay. Um, so this is it. Have you ever tried this one? We're stopped now, folks. Don't worry. Corey, Corey can the one avert on the his eyes. Yeah, this thing right here. I've never. I've, I've touched them. Sliced rocks. So it's like a. 
it's sliced rocks that you can put together and you know kind of stacked various configurations and, and really get those you know very exotic arches and, mm -hmm. and all those other elements i guess so the big claim to this product i don't know if specifically but in the industry right now for saltwater live rock if you will porous natural limestone yeah so okay. a lot of times they're actually recreating this and so there's a big move in the saltwater movement to not be taking stuff out of the wild including live rock one you can get contaminants you can get you know your bristle worms and your aptasia and all that kind of stuff going on that you don't want in your aquarium but we also don't want to uh, pull from the reefs like it's destructive and so much so that a lot of times with this type of rock when you buy it x amount of the proceeds will go towards restoring and what is cool about it is because they're kind of either a making it or b cutting a sustainable thing up you're getting something that can build these shelves much better and in a reef tank usually you're going very tall and you're having to buy a lot of rock and so i think it's it's a decent product if i was ever going to do it i would strongly consider um a saltwater tank i would i would consider doing it because i don't think you lose that much i'm i've always been a guy when i run saltwater though to buy a bunch of base rock is what you would call it which is not live and then you'd get a little bit of live rock and seed it and then everything would become live over time and you just end up saving a bunch of money and you have much less risk and you can kind of get that one or two pieces from a really confirmed source you know sometimes that can be a store but sometimes they're just bringing in you know boxes and boxes of fiji rock and who knows what's in there even though they claim it's clean and so i typically trust another reefer yeah i mean so far i i don't think there's anything offensive about this marketing it's a it seems like it's a pretty simple product they're making a very simple claim um they're showing you what it is they're only doing a half page eh, yeah i mean it, it brings it to your attention of what it is and you know i don't know if i would buy it off that x there's a bunch of companies doing it but i think it you know it doesn't belong in the freshwater magazine but hey maybe they bought for the year <laughs> <laughs> all right let's see here so bio fish food. Right. I think that's the first product I actually don't know. Looks like it's from German Germany. It's yep. got that. It's got that German name to it. Mm -hmm. uh, what's what's going to be there? Up to fifty nine percent crude protein. That feels like a lot. Ooh, they're actually calling out the probiotic. Yep. Pediococcus acidolactici. Looks like it. Yeah. All right. So they're they're saying that this is the specific probiotic that we have. Wild caught Scandinavian whitefish. All mm -hmm. right. And 100% hormone and antibiotic free. Yeah, so I mean, this this already feels like they're they're really playing on that. You know, we've talked about the probiotic, the natural angle. Um, you know, they're the way they've called out 59% crude protein. That it's like, man, that that's got to be good, right? That's got to be the More protein. More's got to be better, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, why not? So I I mean, I wish I had a can of like Hikari or, or except or, in sorry, their ad, they, in their ad, they haven't a pissed the ground with it. With that much crude protein, usually bloats them. <laughs> But the line that's in this, now that I can I can read since we're stopped, this is the kind of marketing that just makes me like, why not just make a good product and sell it instead of like this line right here. Fresh functional additives artisanally coated at low temperature. Where would you? Artisanally oh. low. Yeah. <laughs> like, why can't you just say like, yeah, we didn't overcook it to cook out all the minerals? Like, you don't even need to say that. Like, it's just they're like it's that artisanal like, artisanal that is that is an yeah. overreach on a very very trendy word right now right. artisan right like that's yes. the, we're not buying like artisanal french bread made at like right. a high-end bakery that's that's interesting that's an interesting word that's choice where it's just like i feel like if your product's really good you could just be like fish love to eat this my fish are spawning they're doing all these things instead of like this I call it, you have to become a wordsmith. Like I have to take this product that's not that good and convince you it's better than it is instead of just like having a product that's already good and then it just sells itself. And I realize at some point you have to start the market, but I feel like reading that, there's no way this product's going to live up to my expectations. And the way I read it, I just go, oh, that sounds expensive. Yeah, no, definitely expensive. But then also they offend me because, again, they're splitting, they're advertising, they're trying to kill two birds with one stone. They've got the little marine fish over here on the right. Yeah, it's like, right? I don't know if it's like a purple tang or what it is, and then a pistogramma. It's just like, it does all the things, don't you know? Just make just make it specific for the freshwater and then have a specific advertisement for the saltwater. Yeah. All right, so let's try to get through the one you where, want. Where are we at? Yeah, we're at 38 minutes. This is not a bad episode as far as length goes. All right, so the one that I want, where are you? I'm going to have to go all the way to the back. 
Okay. I hope you guys are liking this. Oh, yeah. So this episode, um, I'm not really going to edit it very much. I'll throw an intro in for the uh, the podcast sponsor. Um, but uh, this will drop. So this is you know not going to be of any relevance if this is 2020 and you're listening to this episode. <laughs> but this episode will drop on the 19th. So Monday the 19th. Corey and I will be traveling to Global Global. Jesus, I can't Global. even say that. Global Pet Expo. Sorry about that. In Orlando. And he and I are going to, we'll be driving a little bit so we can do another one of these sessions. All right. So I can do another one. We'll have a back to back. We can uh, do it in person with Corey. At, yeah. the, at the manufacturers. We could. We could. Yeah. 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 Um, so I could drop another episode with Corey, but I typically like to, you know, one, I've, I haven't, I've only had two people, Corey included, as a repeat guest. And so for you, the audience, I don't want to just, you know, have Corey on again, just out of sheer convenience. Like if you guys have enjoyed this and you want us to do um, another episode together and have it be back to back, uh, wherever you listen to this, be it Podbean, um, YouTube, uh, or wherever you follow the Aquarius podcast, Facebook or Instagram, leave comments and say, yes, Randy, please bust out the recorder. Look like a crazy person holding a microphone in the car while you drive. I want to hear more of you guys talking about another topic. So this is very, very time sensitive. So if you can do this on Monday, the, what did I say that was going to be the 18th, Yeah. the 19th, drop your comments as soon as you listen to this and let me know that you want to hear another episode with Corey McElroy. Because a couple of days later, it'll be too late. Like I'm back to... My full-time work. You know what the product is. I'm sure it's in here. It's the diatome thing. Oh, that yeah. That thing, yeah. So what the... <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's usually in here. Okay. Did they... Ooh, that, that'd be a good one for us to talk about. <laughs> All right, we'll skip that one. All right, talk about the diatome filter. We'll assume it's in here. So I... a diatome filter, which you weren't that familiar with, I'm very familiar with, but the diatome filter is kind of the best water polisher that's ever been created. It's also a ton of work. So it uses diatomaceous earth which is a very fine powder usually used to like kill bugs and stuff like cockroaches and all that. And, you know, of course in the state of California it causes cancer, just like this podcast does, <laughs> you know, but that's just my bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so what it does, it's got a very fine micron factor. So fine. In fact, that when you use it, it can pull out green water. It can pull out ick. Like, so organisms in the water just straight up pulls it out it's less than one micron. And so even our finest filters we can get in an aquarium typically are five microns. And so it's super duper fine. And part of that problem is it gets clogged up really quick. When you're pulling out paramecium out of the water, you're pulling out just the tiniest things you can't see with the naked eye, it gets clogged up. So you only run it as a water polisher and you would do it for maybe two or three hours or something like that. You, they come in like a canister filter basically. And you have to, do what's called give it a charge and so you put in x amount of powder and that's the charge and if you don't do it if you don't put the powder on this thing then it just clogs up the micron screen and you only get one use and pretty soon it's like oh that was 50 dollars to run it once and so you have to put the powder on it because that will protect and hold all the gunk and then when you turn the filter off the suction turns off the powder sloughs off to the bottom then you clean it all out and you put it away and use it for another rainy day. And these used to be very, very, very popular um, back in 70s and 80s and 90s. So much so that you to clean your tank, like with an underground filter setup and stuff, it's like, just make the water as brown as you can, stir everything up, and then the polisher will pull it all out. And you didn't have to do water changes then. This sounds like a nightmare. This sounds like an absolute... So in that instance, that is an absolute nightmare. And then like... In the spot where you're like needing to polish your water for a picture or a home show or filming on YouTube, it is incredibly good, but no one besides like Vortex really makes them anymore. And even that, it's like impossible to get parts and it's a nightmare. And they used to have a good one that Tetra made at a store I worked at and it was made for stores. So it wasn't marketed towards a hobbyist, it was marketed towards a store. And it was this little hang on back that had a flapper and you could close the flap and move it from tank to tank and you could polish your entire store before the weekend came and it, you just plug it into a long extension cord and it was super good and then you can't get parts for it so like the old owner had like two of these little the micron bags and it would start to get a rip and he would sew it back together <laughs> and, and like we would actually rent it out uh and then we stopped doing it because we were just so afraid it was like it was gonna get broken but he'd rent it out for like 20 bucks and the great thing was people could take it home, they had green water, an hour later they had no more green water. Wow. It was that quick and that good. And it was one of the ways, like think about this just from a hobbyist standpoint. 
let's say your favorite fish has ick, you put meds in the water, there's not really anything else you can do once the meds are there. Like, oh, UV sterilizer, that breaks down the meds. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, what could I do? You could use a diatomaceous earth filter and any free floating ick would get sucked up by it. So it would be in conjunction with the meds. The meds are killing it because you can only attack ick in a free floating state when it hatches. But then you've got another filter that's physically removing it from the water, which is going to lessen the amount that actually reinfect the fish and um, make your total overall time go down. Now, if you ran a filter like that all the time, like very often, there'd be a lot less left in your water, which meant you could get longer. So if you ran it and it clogged up in an hour and then you cleaned it and you ran it again, it clogged up in six hours and you did it again, you might be able to run it like a whole day without doing that. And you could get yourself through some pretty crazy bad situations with ick and costia and some other kind of parasites and stuff. But it never was popular because it's a lot of work. And so it's getting, kind of an advanced thing. I, I wonder why it was never popular. Yeah. This sounds like a nightmare. I mean, it almost sounds like if they could have made it just run in line with a canister filter, like a UV like a, like a a UV sterilizer. The problem is you had to take it apart right, and clean right. it all the time. Wow, yeah. And the, they'd sell the powder. And if you bought, like, if right now, probably if you buy Vortex uh, diatomaceous earth powder, you probably get a pound and it's like 30 bucks. Meanwhile, if you go down to the local feed store, you can get, like, a 50-pound bag for... $20. That's exactly what I was going to say. Having chickens, you know, one of the things you can do to help prevent mites, and thankfully our chickens have never had this, and maybe it's because we've used it, but, you know, you take a thir- like a, a one part ash from your fireplace, a little bit of diatomaceous earth, and a, you know, maybe a, a couple other things, mix that together and put it in their bedding, and that helps to, to prevent like the, the, the chicken lice or chicken mm-hmm. body lice or something like that. And so, you know, when I had told you or when I had asked you about the, the product, the diatome filter, never did I connect diatome with diatomaceous. Right. Right. And I'm like, what? Are you, are you kidding? They don't, want you to make that, they don't want you to make that leap in logic because yeah. they don't make that much money making the filter. They make it on selling a powder that like, oh, we get 30 bucks a pound and we can buy it wholesale for $3 per 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know? what's, what's the cost of these filters roughly? Do you... They weren't they weren't astronomical. It'd be like 60 bucks. You see them show up at auctions, at clubs and that kind of stuff. And a lot of people won't know what they are. And they'll be missing like, let's say the intake and return tube. But, you know, they're just... you you. You'll buy one one day for like $11 at an auction. You'll use it twice and go, you know, it's just kind of really a pain in the butt. That's the problem. And and now that filters have gotten so good and we have decent, you know, filter socks and different micron cartridges and that kind of stuff, it's, you know, the the latest one that was made and it's now been discontinued, unfortunately, was the, um, the Marineland hot magnum filter. So hot was for hang on tank. They had the canister filter also, but it had the, the micron sleeve, and then you could add the di- diatomaceous earth to it to run it just like that. But no one ever used the diatomaceous earth. They just used, kept rebuying the cartridges. Like, people totally missed the whole point of it. Good time. So if anybody out there, if you've ever used a diatome filter, I would be interested to hear your experiences with it. Drop it in a comment wherever you listen to this podcast. Or if you've never heard of it or you've always been cu- curious, drop that in the comments as well. So And I do have my idea to to bring this back, by the way. Uh Uh-oh. So everyone that wants to make the next best canister filter... Stop it. Stop it, because we're going to do this. No, no. I'm going to do no, it. No, stop. We'll never Corey, do this. We'll God, never do this, is, this. And this is the thing. So coming on with the aquarium co-op, like I'm not trying to be like super secret <laughs> spy, but I like to keep things in the back pocket. Like we're working on stuff, right, of, of things that we want to bring to aquariumcoop.com and in the retail store. And Corey's just like this open book of everything. And I'm like, man. Because if someone does it, then I like, don't have keep, to do it. I, but, but I feel there's like so if, many things to do, I can't do them all. What if they do it suboptimal, though? Well, then I'm going to call them out on it. All right. And then okay, I get to do we, it better. Here we go. Here we go. Corey's going to let something out of the bag. So it already exists, at least in the Fluval G7 filter, which is like a $700 cancer filter that no one uses because it's <laughs> if, tiny. I was going to say, if you use that filter, if you use the G series, <laughs> drop a comment. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it has the Micron filter built in, and they want you to use it 24-7 all the time. What I think, I think what the market would bear right now is imagine you've got a canister filter, you've been running it for a month or two, and you're like, dang, I need to service that thing. If you could then, just like the G7, unclick it, pull it out, put in the cartridge filter with diatomaceous earth, and then run it for six hours and clean it after lunch, so you crazy polish your water, and then you were gonna service your canister anyway. So then, now you're servicing it once a month, and that day when you're gonna service it, you put it in there so it's not really extra work anymore, but you have to make it be a quick release, pull it up, 
dump the powder in, push it back down, it's gonna do its thing for a couple hours, and then you do it. You mean you don't want it to have 17 different bulkhead latches that all yeah. have to come off in an exact sequence, and when yep. you retighten it, you have to do the star pattern to make sure the torque is right? At that point, you've then cleaned it twice. <laughs> you, it has to be in the, let's add it, or even if they, the other way you could do it is make it be like a kind of a bolt-on addition to the outflow of a canister. Like if you could just screw it on, like a little extra, because they make the pre-filter uh, filters for cancer filters now where it's got all this sponge and that kind of stuff. If you could make it somewhere where it's not like intrusive, you're like, oh, I just use it and it comes right back off. That's the key. The key is I did it and two hours later you clean it and it's not an extra clean. It's like I was already going to do it. That's how you sell that thing. Could you, could you potentially make that in sponge form? So let, let's let's say show sponsor Awaza I don't think you can. with their Biomaster line, right? The Biomaster canister filters, you can actually pull that pre-filtered unit out and they have mm -hmm. those sponges there. Yep. If they were able to utilize that existing design and somehow work that feature in, that'd be interesting. I don't know if you can do it. So you could definitely do it with that filter if you built the right Micron um, like sleeve for it. And when I thought you were saying sponge originally, I was thinking a sponge filter, the pattern's too random, so it would, it would let the the powder come off the sponge but in Those a rings. canister yeah, yeah in a canister then it would keep it sucked to mm -hmm. it um but you have to have something that's a finer micron than the diatomaceous earth mm. and the diatomaceous earth i don't remember off the top of my head but it might only be like 10 microns and it itself the pores on it is what filters down so light so you'd have to have a really fine micron thing and then obviously lots of warnings in the book of like don't put diatomaceous earth in here and then walk away for two days because it's going to reduce that flow as it polishes everything up that, that last out, time. Maybe. It needs to almost have like an auto shut off mm -hmm. or if it's got Wi-Fi technology, which some of the canister filters do now, it would let you know like time to unplug this thing or time to service, whatever it was going to be, or set a timer. Like it could be done though. That's the thing is that technology could come back. And I do think especially the people in the aquascaping uh, scene and that kind of stuff would really utilize it but is that a feature that makes enough sense? That I don't know. Hmm. And if you have had ick, though, that's the thing. It's like, oh, my, my fish are sick. Like, you could do it. Like, you'd already own it. That's the thing. It's like a value added. Instead of, instead of making a light play music, let's make it have a diatomaceous <laughs> earth type of thing, you know? <laughs> Very nice. And with that, folks... Corey and I, we are sitting in front of a uh, grocery store. We're going to go get some provisions for a, a nerdy night of board games. So mm -hmm. I hope you enjoyed this. Again, drop comments. If you want me to do this with Corey while we're driving somewhere in Orlando or we're at a manufacturer, wherever we're going, uh, let me know. All right. And if I get enough people saying, heck yeah, do that, we'll make it happen. Until then, <laughs> I don't know. I don't really don't have a sound off like this. Well, I, I can do um, my own thing. Buy all my stuff. <laughs> AquariumCoop.com. That's right. <laughs> for all, for all your... Uh... Your crazy needs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, till next time.